I'm Amanda. I'm Jessie. In this podcast, we talk about the joys of motherhood as well as the experiences that have altered us along the way. We've created a safe space to talk about the hard and unconventional alongside the beauty, and we want you to feel confident in the decisions that you make as a mother. Welcome to the Motherhood Collective Co. Let's talk. Hey. Hey. How are you doing? I'm doing good. How are you? I'm good. I am um, very grateful that you have been flexible with me because I've just oh yeah, oh, my gosh. I, I totally understand. Also, I did not know you were pregnant. If you have not. Yes, yeah. I know. I haven't. No. And stop. Like, oh my gosh. <laughs> yeah. Really? You do not look pregnant. Like in your videos, like your face doesn't even look pregnant. Oh my gosh. That's Oh my gosh, I feel, I feel like I really look pregnant. Like, I feel like my nose, like, gets bigger when I'm pregnant. And my oh, yeah, that happens to me, well, too. You know, oh and, like, gosh. my feet, like, I got a pedicure last night, and I'm, like, looking down at my feet, and I'm, like, they literally look like I have Shrek feet. <laughs> like my hands. Oh, my gosh, that's so <laughs> exciting. I'm so grateful for children and for babies, but, like, pregnancy yeah. is so rough. It's so rough for me, and so I'm just like, how yeah. do people like love being pregnant? It's hard. I know, <laughs> and I think I think two things can exist at once. Like we can love our babies and like mm-hmm. be so grateful that we are pregnant, but we can also be like, this is hard, and it is. Like exactly. we're in a we're not in a perfect world. It takes a lot of toll on your body. Like the other day, I was holding my toddler, and I was like telling my husband, like Nick, like me right now holding Paxton is not even how much I weighed at the end of my pregnancy with Atlas. Like, it takes such a big toll on your body. Your body changes so much. It's wild how our bodies are made. I know. And I feel like I keep, like, comparing myself to when, like, because Sunny was essentially, like, a honeymoon baby. And I feel like you're, like, Mm. never in better shape than you are on your wedding day. At least that's for myself. 100%. That is very true. yeah, like, I felt so tiny, even when I was pregnant with her, like, up until probably the last, like, three or four weeks, and yeah. this time, I feel like I got so big so quickly, <laughs> like, I know, I just I know. pop, and I feel like people, like, I get comments from strangers, like, oh, you look like you're due any day, and I'm like, well, I uh, a couple months, a couple months. <laughs> but no, people, thanks anyways. People need to stop commenting on pregnant women's bodies. Like, it, is, it needs to end. Even, like, I know my friend right now, she's, like, 45 and pregnant, and uh-huh. she's tiny. Like, she, like, has the smallest belly. But even, like, when people are, like, oh, I didn't even know you're pregnant. And she's, like, due in September. She's, like, this is literally, like, my last baby. Like, I don't even look pregnant. What? So, either <laughs> no. way. I'm, it's Both just, ways. People, yeah. You just, like, I know. It's not fun to be commented on. on. <laughs> yes. Yeah. And I feel like in any other stage of your life, it's, like, known. You don't comment on a woman's body. But then when you're oh, pregnant, 100%. like, it just merits all of this stuff where you're just all of a sudden allowed. Like, people think they're allowed to say whatever they want, and it's bizarre mm-hmm. to me. I don't know uh, how Colorado is, but yeah. I felt like in Washington, no one said anything. Like, I could be nine months pregnant, and no one would, like, say anything to me. Like, oh, are, are you having a baby? But in Texas, people are, like, more touchy and, like, southern, and they're, like, yeah. I was literally, like, three months pregnant, and they're, like, oh, another one. And I'm, like, oh, great. Like, I literally already look huge. Right. <laughs> I, 
I know. I just have to keep telling myself, I'm like, it's temporary. Like, you get your body back eventually. Like, yeah, yeah. It's just, mm-hmm. it's just been crazy. I mean, we got pregnant. Like, I weaned Sunny from nursing, and we got pregnant, like, six weeks after that. And mm-hmm. so I feel like I haven't really had my body to myself in, like, yeah. what is going to be going on. Like, by the time I'm done nursing, this may be, like, six years where there's <gasps> not, like, something growing in that me or attached crazy. I know. So, anyways, <laughs> moving on. Um, okay, yeah, I'm so I, – I read over your story, and I'm excited to hear about it, and I'm grateful to have your story on here because there are people who have to get C-sections and yeah. who don't get to choose that, and then there's people who do yeah. get to choose that, and they don't want those people to feel like those experiences can't be good. Anyways, okay, let's start. Welcome back to the Motherhood Collective. We are so glad that you're listening We are continuing our birth story series, and this series is packed with um, redemptive and hopeful stories um, of women who have had a positive experience in birth, um, whether that's coming from a background of having a traumatic experience or even just being a first-time mom. And today we get to hear from Marin, and I'm so grateful to have her on as we were just chatting before this. Um, I know there's a lot of women who... Um, C-sections are part of their story, and I think it's pretty split down the middle of how um, the perception of those go. Like, some people have a hard time. Some people have really good experiences. And so I'm just so I'm so grateful that you get to st- share your story because I feel like you have both, and you have a really good perspective that other people um, will hopefully feel really encouraged by. So, yeah, Marin, will you just um, kind of dive in, tell us a little bit about yourself, and then we can hear about your stories. Yeah, thanks for having me on, Jesse. I've been following you for a long time. I remember when you like posted this cute little video of Sunny, like um, she was a little burrito, and me and my husband were like, this is so fun. <laughs> and I've just like been so encouraged by like your poetry and just words about motherhood. Honestly, like, because I was pregnant with my first son when I first followed you, and I was like, that's the type of mom I want to be. Like, I want to like Aww. cherish my children and like not see them as a burden. So you've had a big impact on how I'm a mom and. Yeah, so it's fun to talk. That so much to me. And that, oh my gosh, that burrito video, that was hilarious. That, like, blew up. And I actually got, like, a lot of hate for that video. What? Oh, my God. Always. Like, who who knew that, like, swaddling was so controversial? But I think in, like, some cultures, it's, like, really controversial. Um, Okay, that's fair. Everything is so controversial. With having a baby, that's something that I learned. It's like, just do what you, and that's something you talk so much about is like, do what feels so right to you and like, trust yourself as a mom and like, Uh go full force on it and just like, find your people and like, block out all the other commentary and just like, be confident. Um, Totally. Anyway, I'll talk about some oh, hate I got is from so a viral funny. video too, but that's later that's, on in my story. Love but, that. Um, love that. So, um, yeah, I live in the Texas Hill Country with my husband, Nick. We've been married for four years. And then um, we work actually at a Christian outdoor adventure camp. And so my husband is a summer camp director, and I am a videographer and content creator here. We live, like, an hour from town. We don't even, like, have cell phone service where we live. Like, so we live that in a very awesome. remote area. <laughs> yeah, like, we love just, like, going on hikes. Like, we live on, like, 1,400 acres. So, it's, you know, we, we garden and we cook and we just, 
because we can't like go to town to get food all the time. So like, wow. we just love cooking all of the food we would get at like a fancy restaurant. And we love, yeah, just being together as a family. Um, I have a two-year-old son, Paxton, and a five-month-old son, Atlas. Um, oh my so, goodness. You need to be careful yeah. about what you say or you're going to be like inviting people <gasps> over to come live with you. <laughs> you're living no, so like, I, it, and it was really hard for me to get used to because we came from Seattle, Washington. It's like the most populated area. And just to move somewhere where it's so far from like modern conveniences, like I'm used to being mm. like, oh, I'm bored. Like I'm going to go to Target or something. But now I'm yeah. like, okay, I'm totally. bored. Like let me read or like let me go sit on my porch and like let me go for a hike. Like it's really forced me to slow down. And it was super hard at first, but now I've like really, really enjoyed it. Honestly, going to town stresses me out and it's just, hmm. it's been a really sweet time. I'm really thankful for it. But anyway, oh, back I to the that. babies. <laughs> yes. Um, so just a little background about like being pregnant and like my journey into birth, because I feel like that plays a lot into the birth experiences I've had. Like I grew up around birth. Like, my mom was a doula growing up. She taught the Bradley Method childbirth classes, which are, like, really about involving the partner, being, like, your support person. Um, and so I would, like, always have pregnant women coming through our door, like, watching birth videos. Like, my mom had two home births and, like, recorded them. And we would, like, grow up watching our birth videos, which is so weird. To that people, is but, like, so just, cool. Yeah. And so I always just thought, like – growing up I was like I'm gonna have a home birth like obviously like that was just like normal to me like I was like mm -hmm. yep that's like totally normal I trust my body I'm just like yeah and my sister had like a beautiful home birth um and so when I got pregnant in October of 2020 I was like so excited I just like dove into like all the research that I could and was really careful about like who I selected at the time it was so weird because like I said like I just grew up assuming like I'm gonna have a home birth but when I was pregnant and I feel like this goes into just like trusting your intuition and like yeah so I was like I don't feel like I should with this baby and I hmm. chose to go see a midwife there was this really awesome midwife practice that caught babies at a local hospital and I just like fell in love with the midwifery team and um just like their philosophy on birth they're like yeah we're going to be in a hospital but like we literally want you to like labor at home as long as possible when we're in the hospital we want you to like act like you're at home and they were just so great my appointments would be like an hour long which is like unheard mm -hmm. of for prenatal care and yeah. they would like they cared about things like they would ask Nick how he's doing and if he had any questions they asked me if I like had access to like all these things instead of just like okay what's your name when are you due right okay five minute appointment measure your tummy okay you're good see you later like they mm -hmm. were just so holistic and amazing and that really set me up for being really empowered about my birth experience um going into my birth my neighbor actually had her son like four months before I was due with my first baby and um, she ended up having to have an emergency C-section because um, he was entangled in his cord and was under a lot of distress, and they went in for a C-section. And after that happened, I think it really opened my eyes to, like, okay, C-sections can happen for, like, very legitimate reasons. Mm -hmm. Like, I felt, like, very safe with my provider that she wasn't the type of provider who would just, like, 
throw in a C-section because it's convenient for her. Like the classic, like, okay, like you're taking too long to push. Like I got to clock right. out or like, oh, your hips are too small. Like, uh, you can't do this. Just like, you know, like mm-hmm. I really trusted that I was safe with her, that I wouldn't be in that type of experience. But I realized yeah. I hadn't, I hadn't prepared at all for like, well, what if there truly is that like rare emergency that happened? And um, yeah. like, what do I want for that? And I spent a lot of time talking to my midwife and like, I had a lot of anxiety around C-sections. Like growing up, I thought that was like the worst thing that could ever happen to me. Like I hate surgery. I am not like good with needles or blood. Like I wanted an unmedicated birth for that reason. Cause I'm like, I don't want a spinal, like I don't want things mm-hmm. in my body. <laughs> But um, I just talked to her and she was like, well, that's super, super rare to like actually have that happen. Like babies are born vaginally with the cord around them all the time. Like we have a little trick to help that. Like, don't worry, but let's still put on your birth preferences what you would like if that does happen. And so I was like, great. Like, and so I, at the little bottom of my birth plan or birth preferences, I wrote like emergency C-section. And I was like, I don't want my hands tied. I want a clear drape or to like drop the drape when baby's born. I want like, what else do they do? Like delayed cord cl- or cord cutting as much as possible. Um, I want baby to my chest right away. Um, you know, all those things that you do get to choose. And I think a lot of people don't think that they have any say in a C-section, but you mm-hmm. really can have a lot and so I would encourage anyone who's like pregnant for the first time or like birthing in a hospital to or even if you're doing a home birth I mean things change all the time just like to be prepared and to like because I think that's how I ended up having a positive experience still like things did not go the way I wanted but I still felt very empowered because I still felt like I was making decisions and had like autonomy over my body and so Hmm. Yeah, I would encourage anyone to do that. But anyway, into the well, that's that's birth. very valid yeah. because that's super valid because I feel like a lot of times, um, like Amanda and I did a series on birth trauma, and one of the things yeah. that was like very indicative of having a traumatic experience is when you don't have autonomy over your own body and things are just happening mm-hmm. to you and you're not consenting mm-hmm. to anything and like outside of a medical yeah. setting, anyone would be so quick to validate like yes, that's traumatic like someone's touching you without your consent or someone is harassing Mm -hmm. you without your consent or whatever it is. Um, But then in a medical setting, it's like people look at you like, yeah, but like, that's what it is where, you Mm -hmm. know, mentally like and cognitively, we can't decipher the difference between when like, that's okay here, but that's not okay here. And so anyway, um, just to validate you, like that's very much indicative of, of a traumatic experience. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, sadly, in this country, like, we got to do the work, like, ourselves, because there's, like, mm-hmm. no one who, I mean, it's so hard to, like, fully find a provider, because a lot of us will go to hospitals where it's just, like, someone on call, and so we really do have to do that work to be, like, educating ourselves on, like, what happens for an induction, like, what happens in a cesarean, like, what does that recovery look like, like, what can I legally say no to, like, and so, yeah, definitely, that yeah. helps having all of that and again like getting your partner in on it like my husband I was like okay let's go over this like if someone tries to do something to me like you say no or whatever so right anyway um oh and during my pregnancy with my son Paxton I was told we were having a girl like at our 20 week I, anatomy that is skin. So crazy. 
Yeah. So um, he was going to be Piper, and, like, we had everything. Like, I painted, like, a pink rainbow nursery. We had, like, two girl baby showers. No way. Yeah. And funny funny thing was almost Piper as well. That's so cute. I love that name. Oh, that's so cute. I think we would still use it. I don't know. Yeah, it's really things with the name Piper, so. It's it's very cute. cute. Yeah, you probably do. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Um, so yeah, labor started early. I was 37 weeks and my sister almost went to 42 weeks. And I was like, you know, I'm probably just going to go to 42. Like it's my first baby. Like try to like plan ahead instead of being like, if I do not go into labor at 40 weeks, like my life is over. But yeah, I woke up on June 29th to my water breaking and I was literally shot out of bed and told my husband, like my water just broke and he was completely shook. Um, and so we called my midwife and I was strep B positive and, you know, that was kind of our plan to labor at home as long as possible because I was strep B positive. She's like, let's come in because we got to do the antibiotics. And so, and that's just what I chose. I know some people choose not to do that, but, um, and then, so I went to the hospital and, I had zero contractions. Like, my water was breaking for sure, but I felt nothing. And um, we tried all the natural labor induction things. We walked the halls a ton. um, And just nothing was happening. And at this point, I I was on, like, my fourth round of antibiotics. And I was kind of like, okay, like, nothing's happening, but I'm just like, all that's happening is I'm getting a lot of antibiotics in my body. So, like, how can we, like, get things going? Like, right. I don't know that I want to be here for three days just, like, getting pumped of antibiotics. So, um, me and Ariel, my midwife, talked about, like, my options. She, um, like, showed me all the things, told me all the benefits, risks, um, alternatives, and we decided to do a fully bulb. So, at 8 p.m. that night, I had a fully bulb place, and one of the nurses showed me some mild circuit to do and so me and my husband just started like doing those little exercises and moving around a lot and labor started like right away it was kind of crazy how fast it did start um and um so yeah that was exciting that was like three centimeters at that point um and then my night nurse came in that's kind of when the switch happened and she started to notice that baby's heart rate wasn't doing well after contractions like he wasn't recovering well after contractions and she was like you know usually like during contractions like baby's going to be under a lot of stress like they're being squeezed but after contractions like they should just like pick right back up but that's kind of like where things were going weird was like he wasn't recovering well and my midwife came in and she was like okay like at this point if you were at home this is when we would have transferred to the hospital like if this was a home birth right now like this mm-hmm. is when we would transfer. And I really mm-hmm. loved that, like, she kind of spoke in my language that way because yeah. that's how I kind of was, like, assured, like, okay, like, this actually is something. And, like, it's being mm-hmm. caught so early. Like, there's right. no panic right now. There's no stress. Like, let's just try to figure out what's going on. And so yeah, she thought maybe, like, I was losing a lot of amniotic fluid because my water had been broken for so long. And maybe, like, baby was pressed on his cord because mm-hmm. he, like, wasn't floating around enough. So, she did something where she like inserted um, just like saline fluid into my uterus, like kind of add more fluid to see if he would like get off of his cord. 
Okay, yeah. And I, like, got on all fours, and, like, that still wasn't doing anything. And so this was, like, from 12 a.m., my fully bulb fell out. I was, like, five centimeters until, like, 4 a.m. It was just, like, a lot of touching my stomach, which, you know, like, is not the best thing. Like, because I want to intermittent fetal monitoring, but at that point, they're, like, we have to do continual. Like, we have to see what's going on with him. And the monitors just, like, they could not pick him up, and he was moving around. And, you know, when you're having contractions, like, the last thing you want is people touching your stomach. So I I was just, like, stressed, and it just felt stressful, like, my mom was there and she was like, yeah, like your birth was just, it was stressful because people were panicking, but I was still like chugging along, you know, and, um, at 4:30 AM, my baby just like completely flatlined. Like I saw his heart rate just mm. like stopped on the monitor and Ariel like sprinted out of the room and like got the OB on call and he came in and this is, I was like at seven centimeters and he, did um he inserted a internal monitor on my baby's head like when I was in the middle of transition which is like mm. not fun but um he yeah he like and my mom was like right by my head and she was like okay like this is what he's gonna do like he just wants to make sure baby's okay and that's when he was like yeah like we gotta go like for a c-section and I literally just like look at Nick and I'm like this is literally what happened to our friend like and I was just like I can't believe this is happening to me like this is exactly what I was afraid of yeah and then I asked Ariel because at this point like I didn't have an epidural and they were like calling for a c-section and I was like do I have to be put under am I going to be asleep and she was like yeah like because we got to go now and I was like okay and so I was just like really trying to mentally prepare because I knew like okay if I'm asleep like I won't get to hear my baby cry like Nick won't get to be in there Sorry, Bella. Come here, Belly. Come here. It's okay. Sorry, go ahead. Okay. Um, So I was just, like, trying to mentally prepare for, like, being put under for a C-section. And that's when um, a nurse gave me a shot in my arm. I believe it's called tributylene, where, like, it stops your contractions. And the Mm. contractions are really the thing that was hurting him because every time I had a contraction, like, he was just being squeezed by his cord. And so – when I wasn't having contractions, he was doing great. Like, that's why he wasn't under any sort of fetal distress, like, before labor started. And so that, like, bought us enough time that I could, like, get a spinal block placed and, like, the anesthesiologist was super quick. And so I got to be awake, and that was really great. Um, but that is good. But, yeah, and so I was just in the little OR, and I was awake and just laying there, and Ariel, like, held me the whole time while I was getting a spinal, and she was so sweet. Um and Nick got to come in, and I was terrified because I was like, is he okay? Like, is he dying? Like, I didn't know, like, yeah. how bad this was. And so I was just, like, mentally trying to stay focused. And I have, like, I feel like that's the bravest I've ever had to be, just being, like, I can't just mm. get up and walk away. Like, I'm about to have a surgery. I'm awake. I'm laying on this table. I'm throwing up. And I was like, okay. I have to be brave, like, for my baby. And Nick mm. came in just, like, with his sweetest little smile and was, like, immediate comfort to me. And the, I just remember the anesthesiologist being like, okay, your baby's almost here. And I was like, okay. Because usually people say, like, you feel tugging. I felt nothing. I don't know if that was just a very strong spinal or if yeah. I was just, like, tired or I was on another planet. I don't know. But I, like, felt nothing. And suddenly 
my baby was here and like Ariel brought him around to show me and I look at Nick and I'm like oh my gosh that's our daughter and Ariel is like um Marin it's a boy because again we <laughs> thought it was a girl and I was like no it's not and like Nick was smiling because like Nick saw right away that it was a boy and I was like are you guys joking with me like you feel bad for me because I'm in a c-section like you just want to lighten the mood <laughs> and they're like no like it's a boy and I just like and then Nick, like, went to go be with baby, and I was just, like, laying there alone, like, processing this all. And I was, like, I literally have a closet full of girl clothes. Like, I have a pink <laughs> nursery. I didn't have a baby shower for a boy. I didn't have boy clothes. Like, the mom guilt just, like, kicks in. And it's, like, yeah. you didn't even know. You didn't prepare for your baby. Um, and I just felt so Oh, my goodness. Good. But, like, anatomy scans are, like, the most accurate tell. Yes. It's not like you, like, went off of, yes. like, a sneak peek blood test yeah no literally I don't know how they got that wrong I know and even like I looked back at the ultrasound so much and I just feel like it wasn't a good ultrasound like I don't know if he was moving a lot but even like everyone looks at it and they're like it looks very blurry and so I don't even I think it was just honestly like God's story for us like I have no like everyone was like we've never heard of this like we've worked in this hospital for 15 years and this has never happened I'm like great I'm so glad right (laughs) but um it honestly was like the sweetest surprise because I think that being like so shocking really like took it kind of like lightened the whole mood and he was like so healthy like the cord was wrapped around like his arm his body his neck like he was all tangled up in there like so we always say like he's gonna be our little climber because he always like he had his rope Aww. just, like, wrapped around him. He was on belay, ready to climb. But, um, <laughs> yeah, but that really just, like, lightened the whole mood. Like, obviously, I had a lot of processing to do with, like, not having the birth I wanted. And I had always said, like, in my mind, I was, like, having a C-section for my first birth would just be, like, the worst thing for me because then I would just, like, have to fight for a V-back, all my other babies. And that just sounds like, why can't I just, like, have a baby, like, this other way like my mom and sister got to do like it's not fair and I had this amazing postpartum nurse who just like came in and she was like here's VBAC resources like the VBAC link like I had a home birth VBAC and like she just like started really empowering me and like all of my doctors and nurses like the doctor who ended up doing my c-section was like a Christian and he like prayed over us and it ended up being really? like so yeah like That's he amazing. came in and and again, this is like Seattle, Washington, like one of the most unchurched cities in America. But yeah. he like comes in and he like mentions young life and because we hadn't met him before, like we were seeing our midwife and he like mentions young life. And I'm like, oh, like, are you a Christian? And he's like, yeah. And, um, you know, we like shared with him like that we work in camp ministry and like we're Christians. And he was just like, oh, my gosh. And before he left, he was like, can I just like pray for you guys before I go? And it was really, really sweet. And so, wow, that's special. Yeah, and so that's something where, you know, like, I didn't get the birth, like, I wanted, but I really feel like I got a birth that, like, was still very sweet, and, like, I feel like preparing for this birth, I was very fixated on, like, oh, like, natural birth is the only way you can have, like, a spiritual experience during your birth, and I feel like this was just, like, I was shown so much that, like, God is still present, like, in any birth, and, like, he's there, and, um, like, he's so kind, and he loves us, and, like, he sees us in our pain, and, like, even when things are hard and scary, like, he's still there and present, and so we named our son, we named our son Paxton, 
um, which means peace. And um, he is just like the silliest, craziest boy. I feel like the way he came into this world, like explains him so well. But yeah, so that's Paxton's birth story. I love his name. It's, it's, it's like really sweet. I love really... him. Yeah. So then how old was he when you got pregnant again? So I got pregnant again when he was nine months old, and I ended up having a miscarriage um, a couple weeks later. And it was obviously, like, very hard. Like, anyone who's gone through a miscarriage, like, it just yeah. feels very defeating. Um, mm-hmm. But two months after that, I did get pregnant with Atlas, and the Pex was 11 months old when I got pregnant with Atlas. And Wow, you're amazing. Um, <laughs> And during that time, I got diagnosed with an autoimmune disorder. And so I was like, healing from that and like, figuring out all those things. And we moved to Texas, which is and like a very, I mean, like I said, I live an hour from town. So like, we went from living in Seattle, to living in like, very rural Texas, where there's like, not a lot of resources. But I knew I wanted to have a VBAC. And so literally when I found out we were moving, I called the nearest hospital that I knew like all the women here have their babies at. And they were like, no, we don't do VBACs here. And so I called. And so I just was like, dang, like, am I going to have to like go to San Antonio, which is like two hours away, which I know so many people would have to travel a long way to get a VBAC. Mm. And it's like very common in the VBAC community, which was encouraging, but also yeah. very sucky for our healthcare system. Oh, but, totally. um, but my friend here, um, had like an un- two unmedicated hospital births and she was like I think my doctor does VBACs like you should see her and so I went to her and she's like an hour and a half away which is like only 30 minutes further than our nearest hospital so it wasn't like super super inconvenient and yeah she just like believed in the VBAC journey like so much and like her whole hospital was supportive of it um and so, yeah, we just started planning for that. She was like, we're just going to plan for a VBAC unless things go differently. Like, but let's, yeah, let's plan for that. And so that was really great. Obviously not as great as prenatal care as I got in Seattle. You know, I got the typical five-minute appointments. But I was like, you know, I just need someone to catch my baby. Like, I don't need someone to, like, I have Nick. I have me. Like, we have done this before like I it's okay <laughs> but I do wish everyone would have a better experience and more personalized care but right yeah um yeah I really liked my OB for Atlas because she was very um like evidence-based like anything I would ask questions for she wasn't like if there was like a cervical check you know at 37 weeks I was I was like kind of pushing back on that I'm like what will they show us like what's the evidence on this like is this necessary and she was very like you know it's really not going to show us much like we don't have to do it you know like she was very calm mm-hmm. and like she wasn't in a rush which I really liked um yeah and we were told we were having a boy this time and I made them double check and she for <laughs> sure was a boy so you have to be like you that. better <laughs> yeah yeah I'm like okay like let's do multiple ultrasounds um and so yeah with atlas yeah just that pregnancy went by so fast um and my doctor like at my 36 week appointment 
she was like, okay, realistically, how long does it take you to drive here? Um, like the worst traffic day and we're like an hour and a half. And she's like, okay, let's just hope you're not like in too intensive labor that that will be like a miserable drive. And I kind of made a joke and I was like, well, hopefully it'll be like Paxton where like my water broke, but like labor didn't start. And she was kind of like, I wouldn't, like, that's not the best way for a VBAC labor to start because she's like, I really would like you to be in active labor and, like, not have your water break because mm-hmm. then we're kind of, you know. And I was struck being negative this time around, which was, like, more encouraging because I was like, okay, I can wait a little bit longer to go into the hospital. And I asked her, like, okay, how many hours after my water breaks, ideally, do you like to see labor starting to, like, have a VBAC? And she's like, 16 hours, like, you know, like, we really are, like, going to monitor you, make sure you don't, like, have a fever or anything, or, like, infection isn't starting, like, limited cervical checks, just, like, yeah, and so just, like, six days later, my water did break at 36 and six days, which is so early, Yeah. I don't know if this is just, like, how I'll always be, I just, like, there's I I don't even know like why this would happen so if anyone listens and knows why this happens I'd love to learn more but yeah my water how just big, broke how big are babies at first like are they small they're or like, are they like yeah they're like five pounds okay yeah like okay, maybe there's like in there <laughs> yeah I don't know like yeah they're pretty small like six pounds atlas was five pounds mm-hmm. um yeah and I mean this literally is just me and like I just feel like they are wrapped in their cords and they're under stress and they just break their little water I know that's not probably realistic right. but in my mind I'm like maybe that's why like maybe God's just like we gotta get this baby yeah. I don't know they're like hello but, I actually need yeah. some help in here. <laughs> yeah they're like uh I'm literally choking um but yeah so my water broke at 36 weeks and my husband was actually in town, and so, like, I was just, like, <laughs> waiting for – obviously, labor did not start, so it wasn't, like, a crazy rush or anything. Um, so he got home and got to surprise him with that news, and, um, yeah, we really just chilled getting to the hospital. Like, we dropped my son off at my friend's house. I got a pedicure in town. We got some lunch, like we were chilling, and then <laughs> we like that. showed up at the hospital. <laughs> like it was like 13 hours after my water broke, um, and still no contractions had started. Like I was really walking around. I was trying to like do all the things, and I was one centimeter at that point, and baby was high. He was like negative three station, and so my nurse was so great though. Like she called Pitocin like the bad juice she was like I'm gonna hide the bad juice over here like let's not even talk about it like we're not doing Pitocin because like with a VBAC you can get Pitocin but it's like low and slow like and I think the I don't even remember what the max is so I don't want to speak wrong but like say like you can get like 10 of Pitocin okay but like you can only have like up to five or something with a VBAC because like they just okay yeah you know it's just like you don't know yeah yeah because it's just like not natural and your uterus just goes crazy and so they were also talking about like doing a fully bulb because like also with a v-back like you can't do any like cervical ripening like 
which is the grossest term. I'm sorry, <laughs> but you know, this is a birth story. Oh, like but, like like a side attack and stuff. Like yeah, like cervical. Okay. Like, yeah, yeah. So they can't do any of that, and so um, and my water had been broken, and she was just like a little bit more nervous about doing the fully bulb, and she like had talked to some doctors in Austin, and like we all kind of talked and decided like. Pitocin would, like, be the lowest risk for infection because they're not, like, inserting anything. And we'll just do, like, very slow. Like, increase every hour, starting at one. Keep walking. Keep moving. Um, And she kind of looked at me and she was like, I was really – I really was hopeful you would have a VBAC. But now looking at where we're at – I'm going to be honest, like, I am not hopeful for a VBAC. And I was so mad when she told me that. And I was just like, don't come in here and, like, tell me I'm not going to have a VBAC. And, like, I literally started crying. And I was like, I cannot have another C-section. Like, I just, like, immediately went to that place of, like, laying on the OR table. And I was like, I don't want to have a surgery today. Like, I cannot do this. And so I just, like, me and Nick – and Nick's mom was actually there, which, like, I never thought I would want my mother-in-law in the room. But she was so sweet and was just, like, praying with us and, like, encouraging because she had two C-sections. And she always said, like, she just wished someone would have been there. Like, she wasn't even a Christian at the time. But she was like, I wish I would have just had someone there to, like, comfort mm-hmm. me and pray with me and, like, tell me it's going to be okay. Mm-hmm. And so she was super, super sweet. And so we just started on Pitocin and literally – nothing was happening. They like increased it three or four times. We were walking, we must have walked the halls like a hundred times and like done all the mile circuit things and the peanut ball and just the breast pump and just like all the things and nothing was happening. And I knew nothing was happening. And because I had gotten to like seven centimeters with Paxton, I was like, okay, this is different. Like nothing, what's going on? And we would actually pass the OR room every time we would do our laps and at first I was like mad I was like I don't want to even look at that OR room get that out of my mind but then every time we would pass it I kind of was like okay and like why is this happening what's going on with baby and before this like when I was trying for my VBAC I for so long like didn't even want to hear like repeat cesarean stories because I was like that's negative I don't want to focus on anything negative I just want to focus on a VBAC And slowly, I feel like during my pregnancy, God was like, okay, like, but what if you do have another C-section? Like, do you still trust me with that? Like, do you still see that I'm good to you? Like, even if you don't have a VBAC, like, and so I, you know, slowly in my pregnancy, I started listening to the repeat cesarean stories and like the VBAC after two C-section stories and just like all those things where, and I stopped being so focused on like, just I'm having a VBAC or nothing like I literally at one point said like unless me and my baby are dying like we're having a VBAC but in that Mm -hmm. moment I was like I don't want to get to that point like I don't and I just felt so unsettled that I was like I feel like I'm forcing this right now like he's not descending I'm doing all the things it's been almost 24 hours nothing's happening this like isn't normal what's going on and so I kind of decided like at 5 a.m. if she comes in and checks me and like I'm at a three I'll transfer to a bigger hospital and keep going and she gave me that option because like we were kind of at a smaller hospital and she was like if you want to transfer to Austin or San Antonio they would like 
have more resources for you to like have more Pitocin or like do more invasive induction methods if you really wanted this VBAC. But like we can only go here, like at this hospital. Because mm. we just like don't have as many resources as those bigger hospitals. And so I was like, yeah, I'm going to transfer to San Antonio if I'm at a three. And she texted me and I was still at a one. And I was just like, okay, let's do a C-section. Like I immediately just had so much peace and was like, I think that this is just the way this baby needs to come into the world. Like, I don't know why, but I, you know, and I immediately was like, okay, like, can I still have all the things I want? Like no hands tied. I want Nick to be in the room. Like while I'm getting my spinal and they're like, yep, we can do all of that. And they're like, we'll drop the curtain when he's born. Um, And yeah. And so after that, like the mood of the room just like completely changed. Like all the nurses came in and they're like, let's have a birthday. They were like all excited. They're like, let's get you ready. And it was just so different than with Paxton. Like with Paxton, it was scary and it was rushed. And with Atlas, it was just like, okay, like let's go meet your baby. And honestly, like I was just so ready. Like anyone who's had a miscarriage or like had a hard time getting pregnant, like when you're ready to just like meet that rainbow baby, you're like, yeah, let's do it. Like let's, yeah, I'm ready to meet them and like just get them earthside safely. And yeah, it was, I literally walked into the OR. It was so weird to just like walk into an OR. And like, as I was walking, I like got nervous and wanted to pee. And they're like, I mean, you're about to have a catheter. And I'm like, I need to pee. And they're like, okay, you just go pee in our locker room. And so I just like went into the OR locker room and went pee. And I was like, this feels weird to like just be peeing in the locker room. Like it was all just like very casual. And I'm like, I'm about to have a C-section. But um, Nick like held me while I got my spinal, which he wasn't allowed to be in the room until after the curtain was up with Paxton. And so that was really cool that he got to be there like the whole time in the room with me. And the anesthesiologist was super sweet and, um, yeah, I laid down and this time I like felt all the pulling and all the tugging, which honestly I know is very scary for a lot of people. But for me, it made me feel like I was actually very a part of my birth. Like with Paxton, Mm -hmm. it just felt like he was born. Like it didn't even come out of my body. He didn't even come out of my body. He was just there. But with Atlas, Mm -hmm. like I felt the pulling and the tugging and I was like, okay, like, I'm like, this is how I'm birthing my baby. And like C-section birth is still birth. And like, and they like pulled him out and they dropped the curtain. And so I got to like see him be born. And um, he was so tiny. He was like a little baby doll and he was so sweet. And they like brought him to me right away. And um, he ended up also being entangled in his cord Um, just like his brother like it was around his neck and arm and body and he also had a true knot in his umbilical cord which there's like false knots which like on ultrasounds it can like appear that there's a knot in the umbilical cord for but for him it was like an overhand knot and I was like they're like this is so they're like this is so rare this is like a miracle baby like this this never happens like this is usually very very bad when this happens and he's healthy and he's born And that just, like, gave me so much reassurance that, like, I trusted myself and I, like, trusted, like, what I felt like God was telling me and it was correct. Like, I wasn't just crazy and, like, giving up, quote, unquote, which, like, having a C-section is never giving up. But, like, you know, in my mind, I was like, am I just giving up? And to know that, like, he couldn't have been born vaginally and, like, having that peace of knowing, like, okay, my body 
wasn't betraying me. Like my body was protecting my baby. Um, cause oh. like, it's almost a blessing that labor didn't start because if it would have like, it would have just been like Paxton where like his cord would have started to be restricted and all of that, but he was yeah. totally healthy and, um, he was great. And postpartum was so much better with him. Like, after Paxton, I, and I have heard, like, an emergency C-section is just, like, physically more traumatizing to your body than a more, like, slow, I don't know what the difference is, but um, I also didn't, like, labor at all, so my body wasn't as tired. I was, like, fully awake, fully alert, um, and I, like, was feeding him right away, and all the nurses were so great postpartum, and that was really sweet that I like felt very present the whole time. And um, yeah, it was a really redemptive C-section. And afterwards my OB came in and just told me like, if you want to have a VBAC after two C-sections, like I will gladly do your prenatal care. Like I think that is a hundred percent a great option for you, but we don't do VBAC after two C-sections here. You would have to go to like, San Antonio or Austin, but just for her to come in and like right away be like, I'm really sorry you didn't get the birth that you wanted, but like I believe no. you could still have a VBAC after two C-sections. And that was really cool to hear because a lot of people would just be like, nope, like VBAC after two C-sections is too dangerous. Like let's just schedule your third. Like, um, and even, I mean, she was like, you look great. Like I get a pretty good look at your insides and your pelvis in there. Like there's nothing like he just was wrapped up in your cord and like, and his cord. And, um, I totally believe in your ability to have a V-back if you want to do that. Um, so yeah, that was that she was like, sorry and really wanted to like, make sure that you felt okay afterwards. And I just think that's so Mm -hmm. cool. Um, yeah. Okay. You, so we when we were chatting a little bit earlier you were saying that um you wanted to touch on postpartum a little bit like the differences oh, yeah. between your first and second um and I'm just curious to see if like your birth experiences like caused a difference in your postpartum experiences as well yeah so I think postpartum with Paxton was so hard and I I feel like people tell you it's hard but you really don't know what postpartum is like until you go through it, sadly, which yeah. I wish, like, we had a better way to prepare women. But, like, hopefully just, like, sharing a little bit is helpful to help you prepare. Like, I think a big – I don't feel like I was traumatized by my C-section. I feel like I was traumatized by, like, his surprise gender reveal because I am someone who is so prepared. And, like, I just had so much mom guilt that, like, I didn't know his gender and, like, he was coming home to a nursery that like wasn't made for him. Like I felt like I didn't love him in a way because I didn't prepare this place for him. And that's obviously false. But when you have all those emotions, like your mind can just tell you these really mean lies. And um, I had to just be very honest with people about how I was feeling. Like I would cry a lot to my husband, like we were supposed to have a girl and he would just like remind me of that truth. Like, it was always Paxton in there. Like when we took our maternity photos, like that was Paxton. Like he was always our baby. Like there was never a girl, like God didn't Mm. make a mistake. Like we, like he's giving us like what we truly need. Like 
this is our boy like it was always a boy like just reminding me and like affirming me like I know you like you're I know it's like kind of whiplash and that's hard and like that doesn't mean you don't love your baby and even if like people have gender disappointment like in their pregnancy when they find out the gender like that is so valid and like that's okay to warn that because I don't think it's just like oh I don't love my baby because they're a boy like I think as I mean for me like I pictured her wedding and like all those things yeah. like about having a girl and you that dream kind of dies in that moment and like yeah, totally and even like my friends were like hyper was real to us like that was hard for me to like adjust like we wrote her letters and like all this stuff you do at baby showers and yeah. I kind of I really healed by like painting his nursery and like decorating his nursery the way I would for a boy and like um, buying him really cute boy clothes, like, and getting him dressed every day. And those are things that feel silly, but, like, those are little things you can do postpartum. Like, just do little things that bring you joy, and it will make the experience so much better. Um, yeah. And, you know, being honest with your feelings. Um, there's a book that's called Good Moms Have Scary Thoughts, and I feel like that's so true. Um, Mm. just because you have those scary thoughts postpartum, it doesn't mean you're a bad mom. Like it's so normal and just tell somebody like, Mm. um, I ended up going to therapy and she just like really helped me implement some things and process through everything. Um, and you know, people bringing meals by or, um, just like, having something to plan like I would go watch The Bachelorette like just a stupid little silly show but like every Monday night like I would take him and like I would go hang out with my friends like doing those little things really helped me um and you know c-section recovery is no joke it sucks (laughs) and it hurts really bad but um yeah just know that you do recover and you do get better um and it might take a couple weeks to feel like yourself again. It might take like a year to feel like yourself again, but you will slowly return to that like stronger version of yourself, like physically and mentally. And yeah, just ask hmm. for all the help and accept all the help. Um, with Atlas, my C-section recovery was a lot better. And and some doctors were saying like, you know, you don't have, your nerves are already kind of cut open. They're already kind of numb. And so the recovery process, like physically is just a little bit better. I know everyone has different experiences, but for me personally, like, um, I felt a lot better, like day three, day four, like I felt totally like myself 10 days later. It was Mm -hmm. really, really redemptive because I was terrified. I'm like, how am I supposed to take care of a toddler and have this C-section? But people were so great like my friends would just like come by and grab Paxton to like go play with their kids and um so people do want to help you and they don't yeah. want to hold your baby you know like and so accept the help right. and like don't be scared to ask for what you need um hmm. and I think mentally I just had a lot better of an experience postpartum because he I didn't have that like surprise gender like he was still a boy but also um I knew what to expect and I knew like instead of shaming myself for my scary thoughts I was like okay I acknowledge that that's not reality let's move on and Mm -hmm. just having those skills really really helped but 
Yeah. Well, that is, that is really helpful. And I love your advice because I do feel like we are just kind of, I don't know if it's even shame or just kind of like the societal pressure of just having to really get your stuff together as soon as possible. Mm -hmm. And, you know, even your body and your mental health and, you know, just like figuring it out, it all out so quickly when it's just like such a huge adjustment that no amount of mental preparation can really prepare you for. Um, Oh, yeah. And then you throw something in there like a birth experience you weren't expecting or a gender you weren't Mm -hmm. expecting or, you know, something like that. And it's just a lot to process all at once. And then there's this baby that you're supposed to learn how to take care of. And (laughs) C-sections are major surgery. You know, recovering from a C-section can be really difficult. Recovering from a vaginal delivery can be really difficult. Like, regardless, your body just, like, opened up and the baby came out. Yeah. Um, and I love what you had to say about that. And I did want to say that we are going to do um, a postpartum series. I don't know if we'll do a whole series or or what we're thinking, but as soon as Amanda yeah. comes back and we wrap up this um, series on birth stories, we're going to talk about postpartum um, because there's just so many different aspects of that. And even this past week when I posted like a question box for all of you guys to answer what you wanted us to speak on next, I think like 90% of you said postpartum. So I think there's just a lot there that people like want to talk about and unpack. Um, Mm -hmm. And so stay tuned for everybody that is interested in hearing more about postpartum. But Marin, I had just a couple questions for you. Um, Yeah. I'm going to include that book in the show notes too, if anybody wants to um, read that. It sounds like it'd be really helpful and informative um but then yeah I just want to know if you have like any general advice for people for c-section moms or for people who um, maybe they had a c-section and it was a bad experience or maybe they're heading Mm -hmm. into a c-section and they want it to be a good experience um and I know you've touched on this a little bit throughout the podcast but just if there's anything that you could say to those moms yeah I think one, know that however you bring your baby into the world is so special and such a miracle. I think right after I had Atlas, I felt a lot of guilt and I started to kind of worry, like, well, I never get that traditional birth experience of like, baby comes out, it lay, like your baby's laying on your chest and like your husband's there and you get that like beautiful photo. And like, I kind of had to like come to terms with like, if I always have C-section, like, mm-hmm. I never get that, like, golden moment that I always thought I would have growing up. Like, will I still, will I have peace about that? And I really had to come to a point, and I don't know if fully I am at that point. Like, I think I'm still processing, but, like, to know that you can still do things in a C-section that bring in that magic that isn't mm-hmm. a natural birth. Like, you can't, like, you don't have to have your hands tied. Like, you can have a photographer there most places. Like, and if it's a plan C section, like, you can plan ahead um, to -hmm. do that. Like, you can listen to music. Like, you can choose, if you're having a scheduled C section for any reason um, and you're kind of mourning that beauty of what you thought your birth would be in, like, a natural setting, um, like, find your baby's birth song and, like, you get to play that and you know exactly when they're born. Um, Mm -hmm. Or I know some people who have scheduled C-sections who, like, get to choose their baby's birthday and, like, it's really significant to them. Um, 
Yeah. And you get to like choose when your family is in town and plan for all of that. And you get to, you know, kind of think ahead. And um, I think even if you are planning for a vaginal birth, like still considering all the possible outcomes, because I really do believe that's how we have a positive birth experience is by educating ourselves on all outcomes, even if it's like, okay, what happens if I have to have a hospital transfer? What happens if my baby has to go to the NICU? Like, I think educating ourselves and preparing for that really helps us not be as shocked. And obviously, like, a traumatic situation is traumatic, and there's nothing we can 100% do to feel ready for that. But we can do little things to help us so we still feel like we have some say in what's going on. And so, yeah, that's what I would say. And resources, like, the VBAC link is super great. Um, there's a community on Facebook, which is like, you know, Facebook is Facebook, you know, it's still kind of a hot mess, but, um, they have a really (laughs) great podcast and they interview a bunch of women. I really also like evidence-based birth. And so if you're, if you're going for a VBAC and you're doubting yourself and you have people who are very scary in your life telling you you're going to die, don't listen Mm. to them. Um, please, (laughs) um, you can die having a C-section. Like, no one wants to talk about the risks of a C-section. They love to talk about right. the risks of a VBAC. But um, there's also ICANN, which is the International Cesarean Awareness Network that, like, talks more specifically about those risks of, like, repeat cesareans versus VBACs. Like, even they talk about, like, a VBAC after two C-sections, like, still mm-hmm. doesn't have as many risks as, like, a third cesarean. And so just, like, empowering right. yourself with that information um, yeah, it's so helpful to, like, have that those facts, uh, protect your peace I, if you're pregnant. Yes, totally. Is I can the one where you sign up and then you get access to, like, all those resources? I'm trying to remember if I came across that or not. It's kind of like Lechi League where it's, like, you have, like, you can sign up and, like, become a member of it. And you can, like, be connected with, like, a group leader in your area, I believe. And, like, you okay. have, like, support groups. Whereas, like, I feel like VBAC Link is more like an online platform. Like, they have their okay. Instagram and their Facebook. But I feel like ICANN isn't as big into social media. They're more, like, in-person meetings and stuff like okay. that. Yeah. Yeah, that is so cool. Have you decided um, what you would kind of want to do next time that you have a baby? I think for me, I am always going to try for a VBAC. Like, I kind of Mm -hmm. decided that. Like, for me, I don't think I would ever just schedule a C-section. Like, unless my baby, like, if my third baby is breached, I would just, like, schedule the C-section, like, have peace about that. But I think I'll always try. Like, even if I have a third C-section, because, like, we want to have four kids. I'm like, I know people have VBACs after three C-sections. Like, I'm going to try that. And I think I just like the idea of like knowing I tried and like that's just my personality is that I don't I wouldn't have peace and like I would have so many what ifs and maybe my babies would always be entangled in their umbilical cords like a lot of people say it's just genetic and you like grow an extra long umbilical cord and (laughs) maybe that's just how it'll always be like maybe my water will always break early but I do think for our third baby, we'll make the drive to San Antonio, and, like, we have family in that area, and we'll just try and 
if I have a third C-section, that's okay too. But I think for me, I would at least like to try because I've heard some yeah. really cool be back after two C-section stories. But I know it's possible. <laughs> I know it is possible. And like you said, the, the risks are not – and because I think a lot of the times, like, it's just not common, so it's not talked about enough. Yeah. But the risks are actually just, like, so – minimal it's it's almost like your risk for anything happening doesn't really increase after each c-section it's like very mm. small um and I just feel like that's where knowledge is power because if you're mm. fed information from like a provider that is very fear-based you might just feel like yeah. okay it is safest to just do x y and z but that you just right. like talk to somebody who hasn't personally witnessed like a vaginal delivery after multiple yeah. experiences because they usually can just talk people into getting another cesarean. And yeah. so I love all of the resources you listed um, because they are really incredible. But I, I also think what's really cool about your story that I want to highlight is that you were so in tune with like discerning what the Lord had for you with like each of your births and mm-hmm. um, listening to him along the way, even if it wasn't what you would have mapped out for yourself, like, Hindsight yeah. is always twenty twenty, and we could be like, oh, that's why things panned out the way that they did. But, yeah. like, I just think it says so much that in the moment you're able to just, like, make those decisions and have peace about them. Um, and because birth is so unpredictable, I just feel like that's all that we can really do It's just enter mm-hmm. those moments just, like, surrendered to whatever is going to happen and really yeah. try to just like, stay in tune Um with our intuition and with whatever the Lord is saying to us that we can make the best decisions and bring our babies here safely. So Mm -hmm. anyways, I'm so grateful um, to hear your story and that you came on here. Is there anything else that you want to add or share um, that we maybe didn't touch on? Yeah, I think just like you were saying, birth is unpredictable. And I think, if you're pregnant for the first time and you're like writing your birth plan or doing anything like that, you might hear a lot of negative voices saying like, well, birth's unpredictable. Don't plan it. But I honestly mm-hmm. feel like because birth is unpredictable, we should like plan for it even more. Like, mm-hmm. and not be like, it has to be this way or I'm going to like hate it. But like, right. being like, okay, I know it's unpredictable. So let me know all my options. And yeah. um, just like, yeah, finding a provider who is a champion for you and believes in you and is evidence-based and is just your person is really, really great. So, Yes, that is such good advice. Um, Okay. Yeah. Thank you so much. I am so grateful that you came on and um, you are just such a good mama from the way that you talk about your kiddos and, I am very jealous of where you live. I had no idea you live in just like the middle of this paradise. Um, it's really sweet. But yeah, thank you so much for coming on to our podcast. And if thank anybody is listening and has any questions um, about her stories, then please, as always, just message us and we can get those back over to her and get you guys some answers. Um, but. Yeah, thank you guys so much for listening, and we will see you again next week. Thank you for listening, and remember that you were chosen to be the mother of your children. And you are exactly where you need to be. See See you you next week. week.